defenses. Initiate bank protocol. Initiate bank protocol. Initiate bank protocol. Initiate bank protocol. All right, ladies and gentlemen, friends and foes, all the wonderful flavors of the world. It's another episode of Bird Protocol, and uh, I'm I'm one of your hosts, Palm Reader. And I'm Otis Morris, and we're talking about, we're bringing the dads in, we're bringing the grandpas in, and they're going to sit down and they're going to tell you how much they enjoy this one. This is one for fathers, uncles, and just old men alike. Oh, and my cousins. Shout out. Shout out to my cousins. I hope you're listening to this uh, because I know how much you love this film and the uh, the whole trilogy and, and maybe the whole series. I don't know. I don't know where they stand on, uh, on, the, mm-hmm. on the fourth and fifth films. But, uh, but we're not going to talk about those. This is the first of a three-part series on a, uh, on a, on a franchise of films that really redefined like way before John Wick and the resurgence of action movies and thriller movies and stuff in the, the 2010s, this was, uh, a, a series of films that really, um, uh, kind of evolved expectations Mm -hmm. and stylistic choices and influenced movies for years to come. Uh, plus, It Plus, changed the way other franchises like approached it. Like the whole, it shifted the entire spy thriller action genre. Like this one really took the thing at, like just on its head and just shook it. And then everything after it is now there. I I didn't realize until today how much this movie actually changed things. On so many different levels. Um, yeah. And yeah, we'll get into all the different things, the action, the, even the music, the, even down to the poster, how it all, you see it all. Like now you don't even think about these things anymore. Like this is shit that you just have accepted exists. Well, this is the one that did it first. Yeah. And, uh, and we are, uh, well, I guess I should say the movie we're talking about today is The Born Identity. Uh, we will be covering in the next two weeks uh, the Supremacy and Ultimatum films. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about The Born Identity as its own kind of thing uh, because it is a separate director and and Paul Greengrass and what he did with the uh, is that right? Paul Greengrass? Is that his first yeah, name? Yeah. 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 He did, the next he, he did the next two and then the following ones. And, um, a lot of the stylistic things that are presented in this film were kind of like, uh, very, very like they were like honed, sharpened for the following two films. Um, and this one kind of tonally and, uh, just the way that it, 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 it the story plays out and everything is kind of different. Um, of course, uh, these films are based on Robert Ludlum books, the Bourne, uh, franchise or, or, or um, the Bourne, uh, uh Chronicles. All, yeah, I think yeah, it's all the same titles, right? All the yeah, books yeah, yeah. Um, movies are all the same. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, celebrating it's 20 years, 20 years since it came out this year. Um, oh, it's, yeah, yeah it's t- t- 2002 action thriller film based on Robert Ludlum's 1980 no- novel. It was directed and co-produced by Doug Lyman, uh, and, uh, written by Tony Gilroy and William Blake Heron. Uh, it stars, 
uh, a very uh, young Matt Damon as Jason Bourne. Uh, I guess this would be Matt Damon's breakout role other than like Goodwill Hunting. But like, you know, I don't think a lot of people saw Goodwill Hunting. Uh, he had some like that, stuff. That was more of like a sort of like, you know, like more of like, uh, you know, people that like, you know, go to boring movies. Hey, I, I, I love I love Goodwill Hunting. Um, Goodwill he, Hunting's like a smart movie for people from Boston and people from Boston are dumb. I'm not from Boston. Well, maybe I, I am. I don't know. I, um, I don't know. Uh, the, uh, no, no, the, the, he had a couple of, Matt Damon had a couple movies in between, but this well, is the one that had a rounders, him. right? Yeah. Rounders yeah, and there. the rainmaker and a couple other ones, but this is the one that catapulted him to, yeah. to Matt. This Damon. is when my dad knew who Matt Damon was. That's the barometer is when my dad knows who you are. It's like, Oh, you're somebody. Cause my dad knows like five actors <laughs> and, and like four of them are Clint Eastwood. So like, Hey, and you're right. Dads love this movie. Yeah, uh, dude. <laughs> it's 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 a that's a a fact. I saw it's this movie fact. when it like when it was like out because like I was nine and like just because my dad watched it so much, like he, this was a movie he watched a lot, like frequently. <laughs> um, I'm like I'm way too young to be seeing a lot of this violence, but like you know what? Hell yeah, yeah, and you know what? Matt Damon, Jason Bourne, meant for one another, kills it. Yeah. I, I definitely really want to talk. I mean, we're going to kind of circle back again, as I said, like this one's kind of on its own. Um, the supremacy and ultimatum, you kind of see a different Jason Bourne and it kind of is self-referential referential to the first one. Um, mm-hmm. and And the supremacy and ultimatum are more like... Uh, I, I said this in a text earlier to Otis. I said, the first one is kind of like, who am I and why am I so good at killing? And then the next two are like, yes, I'm good at killing. Now, yeah. you, now you will, you will suffer. Like, it's more like a mm-hmm. revenge. I'm going to tear down the whole system. It's going to be biblical type thing. Whereas the first one is like a guy wakes up in the ocean and he's like, I don't know who I am, but for some reason I can beat the shit out of some cops who wake me up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he, the first one, there's this kind of like doughy-eyed, he's just as surprised as we are that he's suddenly able to just mercilessly like beat the hell out of a bunch mm-hmm. of people. And it really, really works. Um, the, but then the, the next ones, we already know that and yeah. it kind of turns that on its head. So we'll talk mm-hmm. about that kind of aspect of it later, like once he gets into full badass mode, which he does really well. But this first movie, um, playing this kind of, man who doesn't know who he is psychogenic amnesia trying to figure out who he is amongst this clandestine conspiracy and the CIA and treadstone and all of the stuff it it really really works well and it's super practical and super downsized and it just really everything about this movie s- slaps i, I yeah. was very very um watching it again before we as we were getting ready to record this i was like wow, I forgot how absolutely hard this goes. Also, like, I'm approaching dad age now, so I, maybe that's the sheen of of dad eyes that I'm seeing. I don't have any children, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a spring chicken anymore. I'm not 20 years mm-hmm. old or whatever. And this came out when I was 12, right? So, like, first time seeing it was a teenager. 
um, seeing it now, it's, it's a, it's a little bit different. You appreciate it more. It's aged really well. Um, the film also features, uh, Franca Patente, Chris Cooper, Clive Owen, Brian Cox, uh, a relatively unknown at the time, Walton Goggins. Um, I always screw up this guy's name, but Adewale Kinue, I, how do, I don't know how to say that. Last yeah. Time. That the, the GB combination, I, I cannot do that. Abaje, Abaje, Adewale Kinue Abaje. Is that how you say it? Anyway, I'm sorry no, if I screwed up. I, I can't, uh, I I can't do African names. I'm just, so. I'm trying my best here. Um, it is the first installment of five films, uh, Supremacy, Ultimatum, Legacy, and then Jason Bourne in 2016. Uh, as I mean, we may touch on Legacy and, J- and Jason Bourne in the last episode, but mm-hmm. um, for all intents and purposes, we're focusing on the main trilogy. Um, and uh, and yeah, it's uh, this film goes. It's a uh, it's a good it's a it's a critical commercial success. It grossed two hundred and fourteen million on a sixty million dollar budget. That's like triple. If not, how that's yeah almost quadruple yeah yeah it's nearly quadruple almost almost made it but yeah no that's a big for you know it's for from a movie you know Matt Damon's not an action star by any means at this point you know he's not he's not Tom Cruise he's not Nicolas Cage like who's big at that th- like Keanu Reeves because we're thinking you got to think of this time like let's let's set the time frame of what action movies were at this time like we're talking like so the Matrix Mission Impossible uh Pierce Brosnan's run of uh Bond films yeah. which like were like almost getting borderline like comical in like you know their usage of like gadgets and shit like that mission impossible is now like almost like it was it's just over the top like the john woo one in particular which i think would have just came out right around this time is fucking insane yeah that like that movie has one of the like most insane like john woo moments ever when he when when ethan's running and he's got the mask on and he's pretending to be the guy and then he runs away after I forget he like drops a grenade or something and he's running away mm-hmm. and there's this slow-mo doves and they're flying yeah. up and he's running and then this all of a sudden the theme kicks in and he pulls the mask off and the doves doves speed up and I'm like, yeah, god damn, John Woo was just going for it there. It's that movie yeah. is that movie is just off the Richter. <laughs> yeah. The whole just the I I can just imagine how elated John was when they're like okay uh mr Wu. so in this series they have masks and the masks are surgically precise to the point in which it changes their identity entirely into the person he's just like yes 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 i was like, he's I, just like his, like it's just fucking his head explodes I can, i'm like, just, I can just imag- face off like on steroids i'm just imagining john Wu leaning back in his chair and smiling when the receptionist oh mr Wu. The and doves, doves just like come in and just like rest <laughs> Mr. on his shoulder. Uh, Mr. Wu, the doves have <laughs> arrived. And he just leads back. <laughs> uh, anyway, this film, um, it, people, uh, it, it won some awards. Uh, the ASCAP Film and Television Awards. Um, it, it won from the, uh, it was nominated 
in the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films for Saturn Award, Choreography Awards, but it didn't get in, didn't break into any of the big, big, uh, big boy, big leagues. Um, but in my opinion, it is it holds really well, and in fact, I think due to its influence and the influence of the um, the series, I think that you need to look back and uh, and really look look at it. Um, Rotten Tomatoes gave it eighty three percent average rating of seven between one hundred ninety two reviews. Uh, Expertly blending genre formula with bursts of unexpected wit, The Born Identity is an action thriller that delivers and then some. Um, on the uh, cinema score, it's got an A minus. Um, a lot of Roger Ebert gave the film three out of four stars, praised it for its ability to absorb the viewer in its spy craft and Damon's ability to be ability to be focused and sincere. Concluding the film was unnecessarily but not unskilled. I agree with the first the first uh, part, the second part, mm-hmm. Ebert, Kick Rocks. What film is... I, I don't really know a lot of necessary films. Um, I like people... People use that term when it's like something that involves like a current cultural status or whatever, but I don't really mm-hmm. believe um, that it's quote-unquote necessary, uh, if that makes sense. I mean, I love movies and I think they're movies that people should see, but I would never be like, this film is necessary to, oh, maybe I will. Well, I think, well, I think it was like going towards the point of what I was saying, like it's necessary, like for the genre, like, act, like as we were saying, like, as I was trying to say, like action movies have be, like, they became comical and so over the top at this point where this one kind of grounded it in reality. I was like, oh shit, like yeah, but he said actually, he said it was unnecessary. Oh. And oh, so God. I was like, I was like, what film is is necessary? You know what I mean? Like yeah. uh, the necessity there's nobody somewhere going this this is a necessity to existence that this exists. It might become necessary after the fact. It might yeah. become something that comments on a cultural whatever, but the necessity uh it being necessary as like a prerequisite this film is necessary like it has to exist uh is kind of a weird way to put it and also him saying it's unnecessary but not unskilled is silly because now like you said look at how look at all of its children you know look at how well, much now it's look influenced. at it is that it's unnecessary but it's it's not unskilled it's like well that's the thing is that that's the this movie is so skillfully made and so fucking carefully crafted and just one of has some of the best action sequences ever that the skill <laughs> is yeah. what has kept it like in everyone's mind 20 years later and is like the defining role for like it's probably Matt Damon's most like recognizable role it's the only like Doug Lyman movie I can think of yeah, I don't know. That was just a bad call. That's all I'm saying. I don't, and yeah. I also, I don't want anybody coming at me about that whole thing about necessary. Like, I think that like, uh, as with a lot of art, uh, it, within culture, it's given a place by the context of its reception. So like, you know, look at cult films. Um, those films were, were 
at the time, someone was just like, I just want to make this movie. It's wild. It's bombastic. It's silly. They don't, they, the prefix of the movie isn't, this is necessary for existence. This is necessary for culture. Uh, but it comes out and maybe it doesn't perform well, but enough people see it that it becomes a cult film and it becomes necessary and influential and all these things. So I don't know. I don't know why he would say the film itself was unnecessary. It's so weird because, yeah, like reading that, it's like just the word unnecessary is just so out of place in that entire review. Like it's a positive review. So like I don't get it. I guess, I don't know, I guess... You just didn't have the foresight to see how fucking groundbreaking this movie would be. I guess I maybe, don't know. I, but just calling any any film unnecessary. It's like what film is necessary un- yeah. without context of its release. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. without seeing a film, how can you know it's necessary? And after you see a film, how could you go back and say this film is unnecessary? But you watched it. Like isn't. It just seems, yeah. I don't know. It just you're praising it, but you're also it saying, seems, it's, yeah, it, yeah. It's that it doesn't make sense to like understand exactly what the movie is doing. Just be like, oh, well, that's unnecessary. It's like, how's it unnecessary? You just, you just, did you not just experience a hundred or an hour and fifty minutes of escapism through this amnesiac fucking super killer? Yeah, is that not what just happened? And, and don't also, you think that's a little necessary that you uh, get to fucking feel that little jolt of. And also, so how, do, just, how do you say a film is necessary? Like, you watch a movie and you go, wow, that was necessary viewing. I, I would understand if it was, if he was saying it in that way, I guess. Like, it's, it's a necessary viewing if you love film. You know what I mean? But then again, that's the context upon its creation and release. It's not a pre-applied status to a film. You can't say what a film is until you've seen it and experienced it. And even if a film is unnecessary, you're right. You've what, but what is necessary? Yeah. Like what, what is, it just seems a weird thing to say anyway, but but, Hey, let me just backtrack and say, I love all movies, all movies or not all of them, but I love film. I love movie making. I love the art of it. Here's an idea. Like the movie Step Brothers. It is an unnecessary movie. That movie never had to be made. It didn't, you know, that movie didn't have to be made, but now that it was, it is. Like, yeah, it, and it, it's I would so say- necessary. There are so many things that have now come from that. I mean, like, that's a necessary part of, like, culture. There are so many things that have just come from that. Whereas, like, I guess, like, at first, if you saw that, you'd be like, this is fucking so stupid. But it's like, maybe this level of stupidity is necessary to ground people. And let's look at it this way. If you look at a lot of the Oscar films, like films nominated for Best Picture over the many years, a lot of them people will say, well, this is necessary film viewing, but you watch it once and then you never really go back to it. I mean, there's plenty of them that you do. Don't get me wrong. But like, you know what I mean? Like, why, yeah. you know, what, what, what is the, de- like, this is a very a hard couple. thing to define and it's not something that you can add as yeah, a like, prefix. I don't think anyone's film going back and watching out. The Shape of Water again. I'm just saying that we've trudged on that one before, but you know, it is. Fish boy, weird, fish love. Yeah, the, the, the weird fish movie. It's like, okay, yeah, sure it won, but it's like. I don't think anyone's going back to that one. Like, fuck, man, you really got to, you really, really got to sit down on a second viewing for this one. There's like, I don't know. There's some like good ones, but 
Oh, yeah, like, it's, it's last like, year. Like, how many people have you seen that have been like, you know, man, I sat down again, watched Nomadland for the second time, and oh boy, gets even better the second time. See, no, no one's ever. But see, that's said the that. thing is that no I, one's ever watched Nomadland a second time. I can I can understand watching a movie and then watching it years later. Like, I I can understand yeah. it being like okay, like say you somebody went and put puts out this very thought-provoking high art high cinema film does really well critically people saying it's a necessary film um and then like five six seven years later you're like you know what i haven't watched that in a while that director's coming out with something new i'm gonna go back and i'm gonna watch it uh and that i i can understand that right but like nobody's like i'm not going going and being like hey i need something on in the background let's put on moonlight you know like, yeah. <laughs> like, don't get me yeah. wrong. Moonlight, amazing movie. But like, and then this is the, the thing is like that movie is, they say it was so necessary. And then probably somebody yeah. like this would say, well, you know, uh, uh, Captain America, Civil War or, or the Winter Soldier or, uh, you know, Spider-Man or, or, or not something that's not a, a, a Jurassic Park or whatever would say, oh, you know, that's kind of unnecessary. It was just kind of like a fantasy film. But what the f- isn't film an escape? Isn't that the point of it? Isn't it yeah. visual narrative storytelling? I, it, it just, there's this, it, it, we've, we've, we've veered off, but that's such a weird thing to say. It's unnecessary, but not unskilled. That's like watching yeah. someone kick someone's ass and being like, well, it was totally unnecessary, but boy, he can sure fight. Yeah. <laughs> like, why did you watch it then? What's, what's going on? <laughs> you know, I don't know. Weird. Yeah, so violent, but you know what? I just really admired the way he rep- like repeatedly punched this guy in the head. I just, you know, it was just visually striking to me. Um, let's go through a couple more of these. Walter Chaw, a film freak, uh, pays the film for its pacing and action sequences, describing them as kinetic, fair, and intelligent. Every, every payoff packaged with a moment's contemplation crucial to the creation of tension, and that the movie could be understood as a clever subversion of genre. There you go, flipping it on its head. Uh, Charles Taylor uh, said it was entertaining, handsome, and gripping. The Born Identity is something of an anomaly among big-budget summer blockbusters, a thriller with some brains and feeling behind it more attuned to story and character than to spectacle and praised Lyman for giving the film a tough mindedness that never gives way into cynicism or hopelessness. Um, Ed Gonzalez of slant uh, praised that uh, uh, praised Doug Lyman's restraint uh, and restrained approach to the material as well as Matt Damon and Franca Potente's strong chemistry. But uh, he ultimately concluded the film was smart, but not smart enough. That I don't agree with. Um, other people called it banal, called it boring. Uh, well, couple me, s- like that's the thing is that I remember watching this movie as a kid and the whole series, and a lot of the shit went over my head. A lot of like the political connections, and you know, a lot of stuff got lost on me as a kid. Watching it now. And no, still knowing, for the most part, what 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 is happening. Like I understand, you know, he's an assassin. He works, you know, he has multiple identities. He's fucking highly skilled. He's one of the best. And like, there's few others like him. And he's, you know, he's uncovering all of this. And so that's the basic plot. But like, it, I think it's very like it's very well written. Um, between like how it connects all the all these different things together how it slowly reveals over the course 
of an entire series things that you know you didn't know and you know you don't feel you don't feel dumb in this movie but you don't feel like you're like smarter than it either it's like perfectly written it reveals things when it's necessary not to use that word again no but that makes sense but, that makes sense but don't worry you but can it, say like, the word <laughs> yeah not to fucking i just feel like we just said that word for just like 15 minutes straight now but like it 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 perfectly fits it at the time where like everything makes sense in the writing and like it doesn't like it doesn't try to like be smart by like adding like movies of the time where they would add like fucking computer nerd parts where they're like exposition, unneeded exposition. Yeah. Yeah. Like the exposition, but then the exposition just fucking comes off stupid. Whereas this, it doesn't explain that at all. Like, it has scenes of computer guys and you're like, okay, those are the people that know. But then when they're just saying things, they're just saying things. They're not like explaining it to you. They're talking normally like Walton got like hit the minor characters and stuff. And like Chris, Chris Cooper, like he's not like, I feel like so many times, like he's clearly the villain character, but at no point is he like, ha ha, this is my diabolical plan to kill Jason yeah and i also like i also think that that like if they had added that it would undermine the like having that scene where brian cox and chris cooper are talking earlier in the film where they're talking about the problem that how jason Bourne is a problem and what they're going to do about it and treadstone and all that stuff hmm. um they don't really reveal what what it is or how it works or whatever um and i feel like if if you injected any exposition or injected any kind of like uh, tell not show into this film any more than there already is then it would kind of cause the events that precede yeah. those to be underwhelming like having figuring out at the same time as the main character what he can do and his abilities and also having this kind of um, I mean it's a genius idea of having him be having him have amnesia have him be an amnesiac because it allows them to just say like he can he just remembers how to do stuff from muscle memory and from whatever but he doesn't know who he is he doesn't know the main core of who he is he just knows all these things and they explain that in like a pass away line at the start of the movie when he's on the boat and he's talking to the captain the captain says oh you made these these knots and he says i made the knots i did this i did that i can speak all these languages but i have no idea who i am it just comes to me and then that from that hook in you're like okay i'm in the ride we're gonna see what he can do and everything is parsed down practically enough that it's believable without it becoming overly Mm -hmm. Uh, and then like explain that word it explains like his knowledge and it's like see he's a fucking intelligent guy and then in a fucking two minute scene where he's on the park bench and takes out the fucking swiss dudes in that in that those if you compile those scenes together four minutes it perfectly explains everything that he doesn't understand yeah it's it explains like how intelligent he is and how like how fucking physically intelligent he is as well i guess yeah and it's just really well done um uh i don't agree with with that that uh that uh uh owen gleberman or uh 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 
I think. Oh no, that's a different guy. That's, sorry, that's not Jay Holberman. Anybody that says anything bad about this movie, this movie is so Sick, good yeah. on so many levels. Um, sorry, Ed Gonzalez. I didn't like that. He said smart, but not smart enough. Uh, other no, guys it's called it perfectly level. It's the perfect level of smart. That's yeah. where it is. It's not. It's not dumb. It's not like a Michael Bay action movie. It's not over the top like. Uh, like old James Bond or Mission Impossible, as we said, but it's also not just confusing for the sake of being confusing, like a Christopher Nolan fucking action movie where yeah. like you dude, where you're forced to get the Michael Caine scene. Where, where you have to everything. go, where you have to go online afterwards and look at graphs people made mm. to understand yeah. what's going on. You're like, all right, I watched that and I pretty sure I get it, yeah. but I'm going to go look at a graph that someone made on like Buzzfeed yeah. to really understand. And then I'm going to watch it again. Hey, don't get me wrong. I love Christopher Nolan. That That's not slander, but Christopher Nolan mm-hmm. sure likes to make things complicated. Um, just for the sake of it. Just like, for the sake of it. Um, him and his brother. They're, they just like, fuck them. Fuck the Nolan. Yeah, the first, the first season of, 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 uh, of uh, Westworld. There's a prime example. Yeah. We talked about that in an episode. Go listen to that. Um, anyway, uh, so, so it's a thriller. It's an action film. Some have called it a neo-noir film. Um, the point of the movie is, if you haven't seen it, and if you haven't, go watch it. It's on Netflix in Canada right now. Go, go watch it. You can watch along. You can watch all three of them with us. We'll talk about it. It's going to be good. Um, so if you haven't watched it, pause this, go watch it, and come back. Um, the film, it starts with uh, these Italian fishermen in the Mediterranean Sea. They rescue, they find a guy floating in the water. He's got bullet, two shots in his back, bullet holes in his back. Um, they tend to his wounds. He wakes up. He has no idea who he is. Uh, and uh, the one guy who who helps him, he finds this little laser that has a bank address on it. So they get him to the land. He goes to find the bank, gets to the bank, and then pretty much his life just goes um, because, oh, right before he goes to the bank, he's in Switzerland looking for the bank. He falls asleep outside. Mm-hmm. Some cops come to wake him up uh, and they're yelling at him for his papers and they're poking him and prodding him. And then all of a sudden he just, boom, he's up, smash, boom, grabs the guy's stick, boom, bam. It's so, it happens so fast too. It's so sick. And then you're like, Oh damn! Like that's when it really like we're lit now. And then from there on, it's pretty much him. He's trying to figure out who he is. He's trying to get out of there. He's trying to he's trying to to to, to figure out what he did, why he's why people want to get him. He has no idea. And through that, you wind up finding more about his past. He had a failed assassination attempt on Wambosi, a guy named Wambosi, uh, and uh, and. They thought he was dead, and now that he's alive, they're trying to uh, get him and bring him in, but he doesn't want to. He wants to be done with it. He can't remember who he is, uh, so he just wants nothing to do with it. And uh, he trounces around um, uh, Europe and uh, uh, fights Clive Owen uh, in a in a French farm, I guess, a ranch. I, I don't yeah, know what kind of fr- French countryside yeah. in a very subdued and you could, you could have probably have been in the neighborhood and not have known that there is a very highly skilled gunfight going on in the field to your life. Uh, except for the part when he blows up the gas tank. You would, you would I mean, that. yeah, but that yeah. was deliberately done as a distraction. So you would be focused on that smoke and then, you know, kilometer away clive owen and matt damon are duking it out in a fucking wheat field 
Yeah. Smart. Yeah. So yeah. so anyway, after uh, after he goes to the bank, uh, he gets everything. He leaves, um, and uh, the bank employee contacts Operation Treadstone, which is a CIA black ops program. Conklin, the head of Treadstone, issues a, a police alert to capture Bourne. He tells the CIA direct, director that uh, that he will get deal with the agent who failed. There was an assassination attempt against an ex-South African dictator named Wambosi, who he um, he wants to spill the CIA secrets about how the CIA is controlling different uh, uh, regimes in Africa and all that stuff, which, hey, just so you know, that actually is real. Um, so, the, you know, great. Um, and, uh, yeah, so he, Bourne goes to the American consulate, he escapes from there and he offers a civilian Marie, uh, $20,000 to drive him to an address in Paris that he's got. Um, he gets to the house, they're chilling. Uh, and, uh, and then, uh, this guy, I, uh, one of the assassins ambushes him, uh, they fight. Uh, and then Castell throws himself from the window so he doesn't get uh, interrogated. Pretty, pretty intense. Um, and uh, then you f- they find out that uh, both Marie and Bourne are wanted, and she agrees to help him. After- and they uh, go to a hotel, cut her hair. He does nothing to hide. For some reason, she has to like cut her hair and do all this stuff, but he- she just doesn't anything. They hook up. Uh, and then, um, yeah. And then it just goes on from there. They're in Paris. Uh, they go find the body and of John Michael Caine, one of his aliases. Um, uh, he, gets assassinated by one of Treadstone's assassins. Uh, they, Which they were, then pin on Bourne. Yeah. They then pin on Bourne trying to catch him. Um, Anyway, so he goes to uh, uh, the uh, Marie's, I think it's her friend, Eamon? Eamon? Yeah. And uh, and then uh, the, the professor, that's the guy who shoots Wombosi, it's Clive Owen. Uh, he mm-hmm. does look like a, a kind of like um, psychopathic librarian. Um, they yeah. He shows up, they have a fight there. Uh, and then, uh, and then... Uh, Bourne contacts Conklin via his phone after beating him and they agree to meet in Paris. Uh, Bourne calls him and says, come by yourself. Conklin doesn't come by himself. So Bourne ambushes them. They have a big reveal of who he is and they talk and, and, uh, and, and um, then uh, he fights his way out. He gets the information, fights his way out Uh, in a twist of fate. Conklin leaves he, after he got beat up by Jason Bourne and he gets shot under the orders mm-hmm. of Abbott, who is uh, Brian Cox. He plays a much bigger role in the later films. Uh, and uh, and then Abbott shuts down Treadstone and Bourne goes away. Mm-hmm. He and Marie go and they, uh, he meets her in some Greek village or something like that. And is like, hey, let me buy a scooter. And she's like, oh, do you have ID? And he's like, no. And then they kiss. And <laughs> oh, that's who I am. Yeah. <laughs> you know so, that. you know, he gets his, he gets his escape. Yeah. Part of him showing up at, uh, at Conklin, uh, Conklin's uh, Treadstone safe house uh, is for him to literally just uh, pistol whip Conklin over and over again until Conklin agrees to let him live. But then when he goes to leave, he sees that there's all these agents there trying to get him and he fights his way out and blah, blah, blah. 
um, also at some point in there in the, in the Paris part, he, he, he has, there's a whole driving, there's like a, it's like a 10 minute, uh, uh, car chase. That's yeah, really, really sick. Chase. Um, we'll talk about that, but anyway, pretty much the movie is about him waking up, trying to figure out who he is, accidentally falls in love on the way, but it's like, you know, um, that floats by, right? It's about the friends you make along the way. Yeah, it's the, it's, it's the and, journey, and um, the many people you just have to kill, or just severely muscle memory. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking um, when I was watching. Can you imagine being those cops who wake up a guy on a bench? Yeah, and they're like, "Hey, man, like, you can't be here. Do you have any papers? Like, what's going on?" And then the guy's like getting aggressive to you, and. You're like, hey, man, stop being aggressive. And all of a sudden, he just pops up and beats you, like, knocks you unconscious, beats the living shit out of you. Can you imagine waking up the next day and being like, um, what just happened? Yeah. A homeless man just went ninja on us. Hey, yeah. So <laughs> we need to start searching through uh, Switzerland for hobo ninjas. Uh Yeah. <laughs> Um, be on the lookout. Yeah, and then through, yeah. the, through this, he he finds out who you know. He finds out that he's uh, an assassin trained by Treadstone. He finds out that uh, you know he was supposed to. Be, he was the one that was going to the 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 climax. Is that he was the one that was. Well, imagine the, like just going into a like a Swiss bank and opening up a lockbox and just discovering you have. Endless amounts of money and passports, passports to yeah. wherever you would like, and you just you just don't even know what to do. Like you you do you subconsciously know what to do, but like you don't know what to do. It's so fucked up, and he's just like uh, blah, 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 blah. It, it's I don't know. It's so ah, just the con. Just the concept is fucking. It's such a cool thing of like. Just a, a trained killer, just not knowing what to do, and like that's the thing is that like he's not villainous in any way. Like he he's just trying. Like he doesn't fuck anyone up. That's like not trying to fuck him up. Like the first people he fucks up are, you know, uh, cops trying to arrest him for sleeping, and like you know that's just a dick thing to do. Just let the man sleep, man. Like, yeah. It's uh he and and he figures out through the film that he was the one that was supposed to uh uh he was the one that was responsible for the attempt on Wambosi's life. Um and then he doesn't like that. Like he obviously he has lost all memory of his training of his affiliations of all the stuff. I mean, the muscle memory is still there. The memory of being able to do those things, but his identity is gone and mm-hmm. he doesn't want to be that person anymore. So he, that's what leads him to go back to the Treadstone safe house and be, and, you know, pistol whip Conklin over and over again, even though Conklin's like, yo, like I made you, you're the best of the best. And you were the one that picked the boat. You were the one that picked the plan. You were the one that set it all up. You found the security company, you found this. And, you know, Bourne doesn't care. He's like, I don't know who I am. I don't, I I, I Mm -hmm. don't want to do this anymore. Leave me alone. I'm going to disappear. If I even see you guys around me, I'm coming back for you. Leave me alone. 
I know now that I can kill, but I don't want to. I want to go and be on my own and live my life. And that's, uh, it's really cool, as you said, to have this kind of like, you know, trained assassin super killer who's just like, I can't remember who I am at all, but I really like this chick and I'd really like to go and and live quietly somewhere and not deal with any of this anymore because I have no idea who I am. Uh, the only thing I can remember is that I didn't kill the guy because his kid was on his lap. And that's yeah. like, literally, he's like, I remember I was there, but I couldn't kill him because his kid was right there. I didn't want to have to kill him and his two kids. So I left and I got shot. And then I, now I have this, which also shows that, you know, maybe he's not as bad of a dude as, you know, Conklin is making him out to be as this like super killer. Who's only trained to do one thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it also, you also kind of see it in the, in the way that he interacts with the other super killers that, uh, that he uh, is not, uh, and we'll touch upon this a bit more in the second movie because well, there's you a really see there, in the part one he uh, confronts Chris Cooper at the end when Chris Cooper's like, "Yeah, we're spending millions on a defective fucking killing machine," and it's like they don't even see Jason Bourne as a human thing. Yeah, he's property. The, and the thing that they're so upset about is that he had a human emotion to not kill a man while his child is in his lap. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, God forbid that he, you know, your fucking murderers, you know, had a human fucking reaction. God forbid. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that that duality is one of the things that makes Jason Bourne so endearing. And it continues. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a through line through all of the movies is that he doesn't want to, not only does he, is he given a blank slate as he pieces things together, the more and more he's like, this is disgusting. I don't want to be a part of this. Yeah. I see the flaw in it now. And especially in this, the second one, there's yeah, a scene. He, he appreciates humanity and life. And like, yeah. it just so happens that he has this appreciation for it now, but in his previous life, I guess he was a fucking trained mercenary the top in his fucking class. And now, you know, it, it took an amnesiac episode for him to be like, fuck. Yeah, and then I was going to say in the second movie, there's a a scene uh, which we will talk about next week, where where he sees another one of the uh, the last of the Treadstone assassins and blah blah blah. And there's a lot of things to talk about. That's and it kind of builds upon what we're talking about here. So it's and 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 even throughout all the rest of the like, he's not he doesn't even the people that are bad he could kill, but he doesn't kill mm-hmm. unless they attack him, right? Like he's he just wants yeah. to be left alone. Um, mm-hmm. but there's some really dope parts of this movie, like, um, the, the scene in the, in the U S embassy, um, mm-hmm. where he is being chased around by the Marines and then he cr- climbs outside and he crawls down and gets, gets, goes with Marie and then Marie at the apartment, the ambush in the apartment when he's walking around with the knife, cause he knows somebody's there, but he, he doesn't want to scare her. So he like drops the knife beside the door. And then the guy comes through the window and just all of the action parts. And then after that, the, 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 the chase, the police chase through the city um, and the fight out with, or the shootout with the professor. Um, and even the end when he's escaping the, the, the Treadstone safe house 
Uh, a lot of the action in this is very, I like the word kinetic because it does, it, it moves. It's very like very active action. You know what I mean? Like he's like mm-hmm. walking through hallways and he's trying to escape the cops and he's driving, he's doing this and he's fighting this guy and he's doing this so that he gets a hand up and you see them fighting each other. And he's, you see him kind of like figuring out what to do as he's doing it. And it's a very kinetic kind of dance of things, but it's also very subdued and parsed down. One of the things that Otis and I were talking about before we started recording was that this movie is very practical. Um, The Mm -hmm. action is not overblown. It's all very uh, quick to the point, uh, practical and kinetic. And and it's always, um, it always feels organic. There's no like, the cues, uh, a lot of films rely on, on cues to build up tension or to Mm -hmm. create dread or to create suspense. Um, and those exist in this film, but they're very subtle. It's not like other films where it's like, I'm going to go meet me at noon. We're going to have a shootout or, Oh, we have to go to this place because this is where the, the bad guys are and we have to shoot them up or whatever. There's it's, we're figuring things out as much as Bourne is. And as these uh, obstacles and things pop up, it's more of a, a quiet noise or a guard looks at Bourne a certain way. And he realizes, and we realize at the same time that, you know, because it shows the guard looking at him, cuts to Bourne, and you see his yeah. eyebrows raise a bit, and you're like, oh, okay, he yeah. knows like, there's some shit you happening. You learn to react to things as, sorry, you learn to react to things as Jason Bourne is reacting to things. Like, like, um, like you don't realize a lot of the subtleties of things, like when he's in the alleyway trying to, like, get her to drive him, and, like, the cop drives by, he turns away, and, like, that's how she's like, oh, are they like after you? But even she's like not even like 100% sure yet if that's what's going on. And it's not until like he is actually explaining to her like, why do I know all the escape routes? Why do I know what car to go to if I think like if I'm going to grab a gun that's most likely to be there? Like with these things, as he's piecing these together, you start piecing those together and seeing those in his actions. So like, later on in the scene when he's back at his house and he's like he's in the kitchen like with and she's in the washroom or whatever that the music subtly starts doing like more percussive things and you're like and then you're like oh somebody else is in this house and you know right when he knows like it's not the movie's not trying to fucking it's not trying to trick you it's not trying to pull one over you like be like oh fucking surprise blah 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 it's it's very it's just like it's just like it yes it's complex because it's a guy where basically his life is just fog and he's just kind of going blindly but it's it's not surprising it's just hazy because that's how it is does that make sense like yeah, in, yeah. like yeah you just you learn like you're going along with Jason Bourne you're you're experiencing things as he learns them pretty much. Yeah, and I I think this is one of the movies too. Like, if we're looking at uh, talking about practicality, if you look at the movies that so I I pulled up Doug Liman's uh, uh, filmography here. Um, yeah. a couple things that I realized now looking at this that uh, kind of bang, um, ninety four getting in 
1996, Swingers. Love that movie. Mm-hmm. 1999, yeah. Go. Uh, and then The Born Identity. So all the stuff that he was doing before was low, uh, was Small low. Small scale, yeah. more dialogue driven. Very, very practical. Uh, you know, characters. Yeah, like. It's it, it's it's uh, story story and character centric, uh, kind of comedy dramas, uh, comedy crime, dark stuff that leads into the born identity. Um, so you see all of the DNA that was there mm-hmm. before. Now there is something that happens in the born identity that um, it kinds of it kind of gets expanded upon in the sequels and it becomes a bigger part. And that's the stylistic choices, the editing choices, the way that the fight scenes are shot. Um, there's a lot more mm-hmm. uh, movement in the camera. There's a lot more cuts. Um, the born identity, it's not as uh, prominently displayed as it is in the green grass films that follow, but mm-hmm. it, it, the roots of it are there. And in some ways it's a little, I feel like it was tightened up. Uh, even though a lot of people hate the handy cam footage and the quick editing of the next sequels. Ah, I love it. But that became a staple of action filmmaking and uh, of immediacy in action filmmaking and creating this kind of movement, this dance between the camera and what was happening on screen with the characters. And it really starts in here. It's a little rough around the edges, but it starts. Um, Mm -hmm. The next films that uh, good old Doug did um, where he directed... Mr. and Mrs. Smith, uh, the movie that gave us Brangelina. Um, oh, thank you. Boy, yeah, boy. I mean, I don't know. I don't like I don't I haven't seen that movie in so long. I can't remember whether I thought it was just fine or if it was bad. Uh, but then he did Jumper. <laughs> Another movie that's me. Um, but uh, a cool idea, very cool idea. Uh, I would just wish it would have been done a little bit differently. Um, but then, mm-hmm. and then he did Fair Game, a political drama film. I actually yeah. haven't seen that movie. Uh, but he did the one after that in 2014 is Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow, Which I actually... Very underrated. I actually fucking love that movie. Uh, yeah. So, you know, respect on that. Then he did uh, he did The Wall. Uh, it's a decent know, movie. Decent movie. It's got um, John Cena and it's like... First dramatic role and uh, like what's that like I uh, uh, it's got like three names, but whatever. I'll just look. I'll just open it up. Uh, Aaron Taylor. Aaron Johnson. Taylor Johnson. That guy. I actually think I I looked at this movie, but I didn't watch American Made, which is um, another Tom Cruise one. I, I would say American Made is is. Probably a Must. bit better than the. I would say American Made is a bit better than than. Um, uh, you know, I think Mr. and Mrs. Smith Jumper and American Made are all kind of like mid movies. I mean, they're fine. Yeah, no, they're just like kind of like silly popcorn movies. Like they're yeah. not. They're not big thinkers. They're like. If you sit down on like a Saturday afternoon and like sit down and watch that. You're not going to hate your afternoon. It's not going to be the best afternoon ever, but you're not going to be like, this was a fucking waste of a day. You're going to be like, eh, whatever. Okay, move on to something else. They're okay. You know, it's just, but yeah, they're nothing to like really, you know, fucking go home about. But 
Edge of Tomorrow or for dumb people, Live, Die, Repeat. Uh, fantastic movie. Yeah, great, 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 great movie. I love that movie. I it's can't so believe good. that the movie, people, people were so stupid. They had to literally rename the movie yeah. so that people would fucking understand. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, I mean, that's another, it's insane. Uh, that's another one. That, that's insane. I, would say, I can't believe that. I forgot that that actually happened. Uh, but. yeah. It's just like how, um, instead of calling the second, I knew the second Sicari, the sequel to Sicario was going to be bad when they named it Sicario Two: day of the soldado instead of just soldado because yeah. The original trilogy was supposed to be Sicario, which is assassin, Soldado, which is soldier, and then another one. And yeah. it was focusing on all different aspects of the drug cartels mm-hmm. and the war against drugs and the, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and I knew the minute they were like, yeah, we have to call it Sicario 2, Day of the Soldado. I was like, what the fuck is a Day of the Soldado? Why don't you? Yeah. Sicario 2, Assassin 2, Day of the Soldier? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's that sounds still, like a B movie. That sounds like, who's it? hey man, you want to go see Assassin 2, Day of the Soldier? That sounds like some movie that, like, a I Russian mean, when guy you made. say it like that, that sounds like it sounds like a 50 Cent video. 50 yeah. Cent presents Assassin's 2, Day of the Soldier. It's presented it's, by G Unit. <laughs> G-G-G-G-Unit. Another great episode. Go back and listen to that. We've got actually gotten a couple plays on that recently. Um, nice. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, Doug Doug Lyman was also involved in the OC. If there's anybody else out there who loves the OC, oh like hell I yeah, do. I love the OC. Yeah, the OC's sick. Um, so OC that's cool. was euphoria before you could show teenagers doing crack on television and everybody having a six inch penis. Um, yeah. there's a lot of penis in that show. I actually, I mean, I talked about it. I, just, I still enjoy it. But um, anyway, uh, pause. Um, the but yeah, Lyman did the Born Identity, uh, Swingers, uh, Go, um, uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, there's there's some stuff. There's some bangers in there. He's definitely uh, you know, he's definitely doing his thing. Um, uh, but I mean, the Born Identity is based on a Robert Ludlow novel and character uh, so there was a lot of good source material to work on um the screenplay is really tight really mm-hmm. well put together the writing is really good uh the casting matt damon pulls off that kind of he's like a doughy-eyed super killer who's com- just as confused as you are but he's also very competent it's it's this yeah. like balancing act that's really hard i don't know who else could have done it because he looks he he at the same time when he's fighting he looks menacing but then when he's not he just looks like he's confused and kind of like soft mm-hmm. it's it's so well, weird yeah no you're saying he he perfectly like plays like a doe-eyed like kind of dumb guy that's just kind of clueless like in the beginning like yeah he totally is just walking around and you're like this guy's fucking clueless he has no idea which is one thing I actually wanted to mention is like, like the the casting originally, like the people that they initially like were looking for, they were looking at like big stars of the time. So like, you know, Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise, Russell Crowe, which, you know, th- those make sense. But then two, they wanted, they also thought about casting Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone, which would have been kind of funny. Like, 
in an alternate world, I kind of want to watch the Arnie cut of this. Just him just being like, I don't know who I am. Who are you? Ah, and just killing people. Murray. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, what is Treadstone? What is it? What is that? What's Treadstone? I don't get it. I killed one bossy. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's, um, that's funny. But, like, really, I don't think any of those really would have, like, made sense as much as Bad Damien. Plus, like, they were all sort of big, bigger stars, like, already. Like, I, Tom Cruise, I could not see playing Jason Bourne whatsoever. He makes sense as Ethan Hunt. But here's the thing, like, if you, like, Ethan Hunt does not exist in this reality. He could never exist in this reality. I think Jason Bourne could exist in reality. Yeah, that's like, the practicality we're talking yeah. about. Like, I I think, and I think that they probably didn't pick Tom Cruise because he already had his... his yeah, because he was already... Espionage, yeah. Um, However, I, I, I do think Brad Pitt... Yeah, I was just could, about to say, could. I could... Young Brad Pitt, I, yeah. I mean, he's not young, young at this point, but he's, you know, early yeah. 30s, I think, probably. Yeah, because this would have been, like, right after, like, Fight Club. Like, yeah, that Brad Pitt... Could've, yeah, that bad. Could have seen him. Like I him, seen him now, that. especially seeing how he like plays kind of like sly, low key guys now. Yeah. I think he would have been. You, he could have maybe do it, but then again, if if actually, somehow Brad Pitt's never done like a full on action role. If, he, if we, I guess, I guess Mister and Mrs. Smith is Mister Mrs. Smith Troy. Um, yeah, Troy. A couple other ones. Uh, anyway, yeah, but like him, like doing gunplay stuff. I guess yeah, Mister Mister Smith's really the only one. Anyway. Um, I, you know who I would have loved to see in this trilogy if we could somehow time travel. If you could see Batista now as one of the assassins, I would have believed it. Batista, yeah, because like he does, he he plays that quiet, menacing really well. I mean, he was in other movies. I'm pretty sure he was in. Bond. Well, that's what he was in Blade Runner and in Blade Runner, fucking- yeah farmer robot on planet fucking nothing yeah but he does the quiet intensity i really like it i feel mm-hmm. like he could have done he could have done that um clive that, owens does the quiet intensity as well which is why he's also a perfect assassin in this i realize this movie is a lot of firsts that i've like because i would have been young like around 10 when i first saw this movie so this would have been the first movie i saw matt damon the first movie i saw chris cooper Maybe Brian Cox. I don't remember if I saw this movie or X-Men 2 first. First movie I would have seen with Walton Goggins in it. Julia Stiles, first thing I would have seen her in. Clive Owens, pretty sure it's the first thing I would have seen him in. Like, there's so many actors that are now, I'm just like, yeah, that that's a person. But, like, this was, like, one of their first bigger roles. Like, especially around this time, Brian Cox. Like, I think he really settled into evil corporate politician man he really fucking dominates that villainous role like between this and him as striker in the x-men series yeah like he's just evil i mean he plays like he was Hannibal lecter in the 80s but like he just exudes evil abbott plays such a bigger role in the following films Mm -hmm. um he's more of kind of like a setup character in this as the guy who he closes down Treadstone, but then he opens up Blackbriar, which is pretty much Treadstone. Uh, spoiler yeah. alert for the later season. Um, uh, and uh, and also Julia Stiles as Nikki Parsons. She's only in it in the scene scenes with uh, Conklin and and 
uh, Conklin's team, yeah. um, which has a young Walton Goggins. She on becomes it. a leader, leading role in the next two. Yeah, so. and uh, and and shout out Walton, young Walton Goggins. Always love to see Walton out. It's funny, young Walton Goggins, yet he looks exactly like he looks. Yeah, <laughs> His hairline is still the same. Um, Chris Cooper, we were talking about before. Chris Cooper is, uh, and I, I said this, and I, I mean, we, you're right that we hadn't talked about it, but I didn't know that you hadn't seen The Rock. Uh, but I said Chris Cooper is the yin to Ed Harris's yang of jaded, disgruntled patriots. Because Chris mm-hmm. Cooper always seems to play this like kind of nefarious, seedy, uh, but very patriotic and very honor driven and very like to a fault, uh, uh, kind of like loyal to the cause type guy. And he mm-hmm. does it very well in this as Conklin playing this kind of uh, he he will do whatever it takes to to protect the uh the company to serve to protect the reputation of the intelligence agencies and to protect the company or country um and so but it 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 verges on like it's it's very easy as you said to see that he's kind of the antagonist um as it goes on because you see how fervent and how like ruthless he is uh and and then also by through that you realize oh this guy's actually not good like he's not Mm -hmm. he's he's it's he's become overtaken by his um zealotry and uh and and he just you know he's just uh another another cog in this machine of the cia that's doing all this stuff and then later in the next movies you realize oh wait no like uh you know um Ward Abbott, Brian Cox character is is he's just as culpable and he's probably even more dangerous as we go on yeah. and on. And then you meet Pamela Landy and all those characters. But this one is very parsed down. It's very uh you can just watch it on its own. You don't need mm-hmm. to watch the other ones cuz the story closes. It's um actually pretty genius how they I mean it's already written by Robert Ludlow, so it's not that hard, but it's really well yeah. well put together how they tell this story and end it in such a way that they could have just made this movie. If it didn't do mm-hmm. well, they, they could have just been like, this is, this is it. And it yeah. would become, become a cult film. Um, but it obviously it did really well, almost quadrupled the amount of money that went into it. So, you know, of course they're like sequel time, Frank, yes. maybe Boom. sequel yeah. time. And the sequels, uh, the sequels are good. Um, yeah. I, I think that they're kind of, they're different. Um, as I said before, mm. they're more revenge films. This one's more of a like, he's just trying to figure out what's going on and we're going along the journey with him. Uh, and then he realizes, you know, he doesn't want to do it anymore. He wants to get yeah. away from all of it and go go live somewhere with Marie and, uh, you know, have weird relations and kind of hate each other, but kind of love each other. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it really is like a perfect, like, first movie for like a trilogy especially in this uh like doug lehman perfectly lays like the groundwork of like okay it has to be it can't be like a huge set piece like big large scale thing it has to have you know that sort of indie filmmaking quality to it where it's like you know there's character and you know it feels like you know these 
the actors are being like work like in a lot of action movies it's just like okay go do this blah 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 and like you know it's you know people don't really care about certain like certain no one watches action movies and like fucking critiques the acting okay it's not what you go to an action movie for okay you want to see people getting punched in sick ways but this one has the sentiment of indie filmmaking low budget indie filmmaking on you know which you know, movie like Swingers, very dialogue driven, stuff like that, which transfers it over. And then, so it sets that groundwork. And then in the second movie, in the third movie, Paul Greengrass comes in and he's like, okay, I want to fucking do parkour. And <laughs> the second movie's kind of crazy. And hey, in the second movie, let's wild. have yeah, let's have Jason Bourne blow up a house with a toaster and a magazine, um, which is you know one I mean? of my favorite fucking scenes. Yeah, movie sick. <laughs> I love that. That's one of my favorite scenes in the entire series, and it's really erratic in the second one. But then the third one perfectly just brings it all together, and it's just one of the best films. Like from a technical aspect, it is just one of the best films, and it's like the progression is logical and it makes sense. So I'm glad we're doing this as three separate episodes and going along because this is a really fun series that really changes. It's not like John Wick, which is a fantastic trilogy as well, but it's not like anything's really switching between. It's just, okay, John Wick killed somebody with a pencil. Now for the next one, we have to do it with half a pencil. And multiple dogs. Yeah, um, like, and again, don't get me wrong. I love the John Wick films, and they do a really cool job of yeah, world building them. and doing all that stuff. But with these movies, uh, it is really good that we're looking at them bit by bit, because uh, or or one at a time uh, in a row, because you know you guys can watch it with us and you can see what we're seeing. The first one is kind of a standalone on its own, a different director, but it sets a lot of tones, sets a lot of themes, sets a lot of motifs that travel through all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and it'll be cool to unpack them as we go and to kind of revisit things and yeah. stuff like that. So we didn't want to talk too much about the sequels. Um, this movie rules. I just, we're, I wanted to, I'm, I want to talk about one more thing. Uh, and then I don't know if you have anything else to add after that. And then we're just going to chat a little bit because it's been a couple weeks haven't done a lazy mm-hmm. bird, you know, just chat about, about a couple things. But the one thing that I want to talk about is the soundtrack to this film. Yes. I love it. I love mm-hmm. the soundtrack. Oh, also I want to talk. Well, we already talked about it. the car scene is incredible. The car chase scene. It's yeah. incredible, incredibly well shot. It's like really cool. You can tell he's actually driving through Paris. Um, and, uh, you know, it's not, it's very grounded in reality. It's not, um, uh, you know, it's not, uh, there's no big car crashes yeah, there's and no like, explosions, you know, 50 car no, pileups. Yeah. Like, I think the craziest thing that happens, there's some like bumpers and like a cop on a bike hits a car and goes flying over the hood, which is kind of comical actually. Yeah. But they, they really, uh, it's, and even at the start before it, it kicks off, he, he says to Marie, Oh, you know, does this car, is this car regularly maintained? You know, I felt a little bit, it felt a little bit like, uh, uh, forget what he says, like slippery or something on the way over. Mm-hmm. And then she, she says, oh, it leans a bit to the right and you get, okay, go. And then they drive through and it's really cool. You just got to watch it. Go on YouTube and watch it. I don't want to break it down bit by bit. Cause that'll take like 15 minutes. It's just really sick. Yeah. It's one of the better car chase mm-hmm. scenes of, of cinema history, I think. And, uh, and it's really, really dope. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to see a lot of nice 
uh, Parisian architecture. Yes. Um, but also the soundtrack. So originally the film was supposed to have a, uh, a, a kind of standard orchestral um, soundtrack. Uh, it was originally um, composed by Carter Burwell. Um, and mm-hmm. he did a, a, it was a traditional orchestra orchestral score for the film. Um, but Doug uh, Lyman rejected it. Uh, and he brought in John Powell um, s- uh, since a lot of the budget had already been spent recording the rejected score. Uh, Powell's score was er- initially conceived to be uh, entirely non-orchestral, making ex- extensive, uh, excuse me, extensive use of percussion, guitars, electronics, and studio techniques. Um, later, mm-hmm. they overdubbed a string section into many of the cues to give them a more cinematic quality, but the, the parsed down, um, kind of like uh, it's like electronic jazzy sounds that they have. Essentially, what this movie did, it essentially created the sounds that you would now recognize in basically every Call of Duty and Battlefield game. The soundtrack to those games do not exist without this one because prior to this. Action movies just had straightforward orchestral scores. People really, you know, people aren't going to action movies for the fucking score. Maybe you get like the main theme, but like think of all the big themes from like action movies. Indiana Jones, like that's that's orchestra though. So this it has orchestral parts to it but now it also has the electronic sounds the synths a lot of the percussion sounds which you know now is 100% commonplace that is basically exactly how every action movie score sounds look at red notice sounds exactly like that every michael bay movie the fast and furious movies sound exactly like this movie um, and on top of that, I think that it was an incredibly smart move to use mm-hmm. Extreme Ways by Moby as one of the only songs to, um, uh, uh, like actual artists to bring in them for the soundtrack. One, because the sound of that film or that song, um, the, the, dun, 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 with the, in the background and the electronics and everything it mixes it, it mixes it, so well with the rest of this the original uh score mm-hmm. for the film but also it 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 kind of reflects the um the the kind of cultural moment of electronic music becoming more mainstream and 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 becoming and this eventually becoming part of something that, cause there's a lot of other films that have used Moby's music after mm-hmm. that. And, uh, and, and before that too, but it's, uh, it just, um, uh, 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 it just works perfectly all together. Everything just works so well. And that song is mm-hmm. so, um, kind of memorable. And the minute you press play and you're the, that weird like siren riser thing in the back and you're like mm-hmm. oh yeah G- uh born yeah and it's just so so dope and then at the end when he's kissing marie and the piano come or the song comes in and dun, 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 and that was in the trail oh just so good perfect they used another song too um i forget what the other one was uh i have it written down give me a second 
they used um oh Paul Oakenfield, Southern Sun Ready to Go, uh, which is another uh trance DJ. Uh, uh, so there's a lot of melding of electronics and all that stuff, which it just, Mm -hmm. it's so good. So good. And you're so right about, about the influence too, of the, of, and the changing of the way that scores, especially action films, but not just action films, film in general score scoring has, has, uh, greatly changed, uh, Mm -hmm. especially with people like, you know, Trent Reznor and, you know, all the stuff that's happening with all that. Yeah. Um, but that well, was that, all that's the thing is like, yeah, this like even precursors like Trent Reznor, like like the I would not necessarily the social network score, because that's just a straightforward drama, but like the sco- score for like Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, which is like a it's weird industrial synth dance music, but yeah, it's like the most bleak, evil, like mystery movie and like yeah no in in the last 20 scores have really really switched it up and like not everything's just orchestral now and it's really cool seeing things but you know for certain movies a nice orchestral score works perfectly and makes sense but for this movie being that this was sort of a movie that was you know, sort of a page turner for a genre. It like really going on all fronts of like the its style, you know, how it looks and how it sounds really changed it up and like set a new, you know, set it up for the new era of action. And like, I think, you know, the last 20 years of action movies have been fucking insane. Yeah, especially the last, I would say, especially the last 10. And in the yeah. in the two thousands, we and had a political of, thrillers too. Yeah. Like after this, you get like movies like Michael stuff, like like it's fantastic stuff. Well, wow. I mean, what was you? What was the movie you said you cut out there? You get stuff like what? Oh, Michael, like Michael Clayton. Oh yeah, my, that's what I thought you were going to say. Michael Gillard. Clayton rules. Um, the uh, uh, yeah, there's just a lot of stuff now. Of course, I'm gonna we're gonna stop the chat about the movie unless there's anything mm-hmm. else you want to add. Uh, uh, the only thing in this movie that I never realized it, but it's actually hilarious is the scene at the end when he jumps down the stairwell while like boogie boarding on top of the one guy. Yeah. And then just shoots the other dude in the face. I was like, okay, that's, that's, that's the one like movie scene. That's, that's, that's the, that's the one Liberty. Um, Yeah. (laughs) They they can get that one. They did a whole two hour movie of me being like, yeah, that's real. That's real. Yeah, they they get this one. <laughs> yeah, that was the only one that? where it's like, eh. um, but I I love the practicality of it. I mean, we could have talked a lot more about the shootout between Clive Owen and Matt Damon, like how he shoots the thing I mean, to set up the distraction that, and all the stuff. It plays out like a fucking Metal Gear Solid mission. Yeah, that it's, shootout almost. It's, it's it's very languid. It's very paced. It's very restrained. There mm-hmm. there he shoots the thing to set the. He shoots the gas tank to shoot the smoke up to create a distraction, but it also covers him as he's moving out and you get, they get out in the field and they're doing all that stuff. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. Um, but you know what? I, I don't want to spend another 15 minutes breaking it down. Just watch the movie. It's super dope. Um, it's, it's uh-huh. really enjoyable. A lot of the things that we talked about in this, uh, the kind of thematic and, uh, and cinematic, 
themes, motifs, choices, we're going to talk about more over the next two weeks. So do not worry. We're going to expand more into the editing, the fast cutting editing, the handheld cameras that become more prevalent in the sequels. And then we're going to, we'll wind up looping back and talking about this one some more and stuff. So this is not the end of our conversation on the born trilogy. This is just the start to yeah. give you an idea. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's on Netflix. It's a great movie. Uh, and it's a dad's love it. Grandpa's love it. Watch it mm-hmm. with your dad, watch it with your grandpa. Um, I always got a shout out again, my cousins, cause we always used to watch these movies and my uncle Steve, uh, we all love these movies. It was really great to go back and watch it again. And I'm excited for the other two excited to kind of expand yeah. upon this one. And I mean, the born series, it's one of those series growing up, if it was on TV, if it was on, I was sitting down and watching it. In fact, I did that over the Christmas break when I was at my parents. I forget which Bourne movie it was on, but I flicked to a channel that had it on. And I watched a Bourne movie for like a half an hour before dinner or whatever. Also, another first about this movie is, this is, I could be wrong about this, but in my recollection, this movie could be the movie poster that kicked off the trend of every movie poster being blue and orange. I can't that think it happened for a while. We got to look into that. Okay. Let's look into that for next week and let's talk. Cause I remember the poster you're talking about with him and her running. Yeah. And then In fact, it's, that image is going to be the cover for this episode. Oh, well then just look at the cover and then we'll see. We'll know what's up and then we'll. But no, this is the first movie I can remember which distinctively used the very clear dichotomy of blue and orange. Because now it's, again, another thing that this movie did that is now just so commonplace. But again, I don't know. I'll go through movie poster history for the next week and I'll come back to you with more information on that. Um. The uh, the other thing that just a cool trivia note that uh, Matt Damon climbed down the last thirty feet of that building himself. Nice. Uh, that was also a nice scene. That like an escape scene. That's like this is again practical, just totally practical, not over the top. It's not like the Rock, like the actor, the Rock, where he's jumping like fifty feet across a fucking skyscraper. It's like no. Guess what's terrifying? Climbing down a fucking 50-foot building. <laughs> that itself is just scary. It is. Another thing to add is that Doug Lyman wanted the camera operator to be late moving the camera, adding an edge to photography, kind of like a, an, a realism to it. So he didn't let him watch the rehearsals. That way we, he wouldn't know which character spoke next, which led to kind of like the more immediate, uh, natural-feeling mm-hmm. camera movements that are built upon later. Um, also that's the thing that's the indie filmmaking again which the camera you're reacting like the viewer so like like that it's as if you're actively participating in the conversation like when you're in a conversation you're not anticipating somebody's next word you move your head as it goes back and forth you move with the conversation that makes sense yeah you're you're yeah um he also uh just some other other cool notes about it um, that the film isn't like the, the, this is the only film in the Bourne series with a resemblance to the plot of the book on which it's based. Uh, but it's uh-huh. still a very loose adaptation. The book is far denser. I've read the books far denser. Um, all the other, also, aren't the movies based 
are sorry, aren't the books actually like based on like actual stuff? Like, isn't the fucking like Carlos the Jackal in like the first one? One of them, I can't remember which. It's been I read them when I was a kid, um, but all the other movies are original screenplays that are on, that only use the titles of the novel and use certain characters or aspects from the novels. But it's more of an original story. This is the only one that really. Uh, used it, but they had the books as places to draw inspiration from um, characters, uh, story points, plot points, but they made it their own, like their original screenplays. They're not adapted from the story. It's like its own story. Um, uh, And uh, yeah, it's, I mean, there's a bunch, uh, a bunch more, uh, small trivia things here, but you know, uh, Lyman wanted to make wanted to keep the kind of ethos of of working on swingers and other small film, small budget films, even though he had a big budget, and that led to a lot of the choices he made. And and uh, you know, but we'll 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 pay, mm-hmm. kind of we'll we'll table this uh, for now. We'll come back. Um, you know, of course, Matt Damon did tons of training. Uh, um, uh, uh, he, you know, he did tons of training and different gun training, martial arts, all the different stuff. Uh, Lyman wanted him to walk like a boxer because it showed immediacy. All these small, small little, uh, you know, internet, internet uh, studies, uh, uh-huh. uh, uh, internet trivia. Um, but um, uh, you know, whatever <laughs> you can look it up yourself. Go on IMD. Go yeah. go find all this other stuff. Um, but yeah, no, great movie, fantastic. Can't wait to talk about the next one. So the next one that's coming up is The Supremacy. That's also on Netflix. Go pop that in and uh and watch this one too. Next week we're doing Supremacy. And now we're just going to we're going to chat. You know, we had a couple things we wanted to talk about. What were some of the things you wanted to talk about? Well, right? I think I think the big thing this week was to our surprise was that Cyberpunk Oh yeah, that was one. of course that's drops the. Of course, that's that's the thing that I PS5 said to you. Version. Yes, next wait, gen update. Wait, oh no, because I, I was laughing because I couldn't remember what it was we wanted to talk about, and I was like, "Of course, that's the thing that I said I wanted to talk about as well." Uh, and I just couldn't yeah, remember. the thing that you've been playing for the past three days straight consistently. Uh, yes, yes, that yes. thing, that disaster of a game that everyone. Uh, 14 months ago. Well, guess what? It's back with a vengeance, baby. And it's pretty and it's good. good. And it's pretty good. Um, Yeah, I was super stoked. I had no idea that it was coming out on Monday or Tuesday or whatever day that was. And, I don't uh, think it was announced. I think they just, they Kanye-ed it. Yeah, they just they dropped easy it. it. They just <laughs> dropped it. And, uh, and I, um, apparently there were some issues with like downloading because when you downloaded the PS4 update with it, it also came with the PS5 version if you had a PS5. So if you download the PS4 update, it was like super big. And then you could, but if you just downloaded the PS5 version, which it goes from being like 140 gigs to being like 56 gigs. Um, yeah. And pretty much all of the major issues are solved there are still some small glitches here and there i had it crash once but that was my fault because i drove my car into a wall and then the car was like stuck in the wall and it just crashed um uh but overall for the most part um and that was me whiling like i was whiling i was just like trying to see what would happen um for the most part 
almost all of the issues have been fixed. Uh, I, I'm sure that any of the small issues that are coming up um, will be patched in the next couple months. I know they're dropping free DLC uh, uh, soon, um, but holy shit. Uh, it was, it was like, uh, uh, I, I don't even know how, how it really we, feels like playing a whole new game. Yeah. Cause I, I downloaded the PS4 version firstly, cause I was just curious. I was like, I just wanted to see how the PS4 version played on my PS5 after this update. And it was surprisingly kind of bad honestly i i don't know what was going i i think i just had like a corrupted save file where shit just wasn't right because even my quest line was like broken and stuff so i was like fuck this so then i just downloaded the ps5 version boot that up with my save file which was still broken the quest line was still broken but the game looked so much better there was cars on the streets there's npcs on the sidewalks People weren't just random blobs of like skin tones of just pixelated shit. React to you. There was people. Yeah. The combat is improved. The map is improved. The the uh, movement and driving is improved. Um, It was the first time that I was playing the game and I felt it was fluid movement. Like I'm doing all these gigs and side missions and missions and I feel the movement being fluid. I can do exactly what I want to do without having to worry about like over, over running, causing the game to overcharge itself and, and quit. I, I Mm -hmm. I was able to, and they have new apartments. They have more, I gave away a bunch of free clothing, free swords, free a bunch of stuff. Um, and the game looks beautiful. It plays beautifully. Uh, very, very minimal. Like I've added something like 15 hours, 18 hours in the past couple of days. And I only had it crash once. And that was on by my own doing uh, of, of purposely just acting a fool. Cause I was seeing what, what the limits of it were, but for the most part, it's loading fast. There's no more amorphous. Oh yeah. Load times are nice. The the load time, it loads in five seconds, four seconds, three seconds. Mm -hmm. Uh, it boots up. No problem. It, the, the combat is great. The haptic triggers like driving. And when your car shifts a gear that the, the trigger goes like it, it like it like loses its tension for a second and then it comes back. The mm-hmm. shooting, the way that it's all working with the controller, the movement, the it's just it it's it was like stepping into a whole new world. This was the game that they should have put out. This this was the thing that they should have put out originally. Um, I don't I'm not going to speculate on, on all of the stuff. I'm sure we're going to do an episode on this game, so I don't want to go too, too long over. Yeah, about yeah, it. Definitely. Um, definitely now for sure. Yeah. It's, 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 I, it's everything I hope for, for the next gen version, all of the stuff. It's like playing a different game. I absolutely fucking love it. I'm, I've been playing as every day I will play today. Uh, I've been enjoying it. It's beautiful. The world is far more 
the NPCs react, as I said, there's the, the things react when you bump into it. Everything loads smoothly. The physics is better. There's no random cars flying through the sky. There's no random T-posing people. The police mm-hmm. spawn regularly. They don't all of a sudden spawn like 30,000 police on you. Uh, the f- combat, the moving, the jumping, it's all very intuitive. It all makes sense. They've added new poses and the and new new stuff to the photo mode. It's they've made the the trading system better, so that the money's the, the the amounts are fairer. So you're getting a bit more money for selling things because used to be you'd sell things and only get a tiny bit of money. Now you can accrue money a lot faster. It's just awesome. It's it's just awesome. I just there's so many things I don't want to go on and on, but holy shit. Uh, Good job, CD Projekt Red. Can't wait to see. I'm sure you're going to patch it in the next week or two with a couple small patches to fix up stuff. I can't wait to see where this game is in six months, in a year, um, because obviously they're going to keep working at it until it's exactly what people wanted. Uh, But good job for sticking to it and putting out something that smacks. Uh, I'm really, really pleased with it. I'm happy with it so far. I am now probably further into the game than I have ever been. And I'm happy with this playthrough and I'm actually getting to do a lot of side quests and get to explore, which was things I couldn't do before because if I got too far from sort of like the main hub, um, things just uh, didn't exist. And so, you know, it's nice. It feels it looks and feels a lot more like it's like, Oh yes, this is the people that made the Witcher three, which is yeah. a fantastic game. And so it's like, I can now see, you know, the things like, yeah, it makes sense. And, and it feels yeah. more and, alive. Like it feels, mm-hmm. it feels more a lot. Like it feels when you're playing it, it's no longer just like, you know, it's no longer just people walking. Like it, they've really worked on, you know, you walk through the city and you see people talking about stuff and you see things happening and you, you know, it's not, uh, it's not like it was before where nothing was loading and you would get random bits mm-hmm. of dialogue from people that weren't even there on the screen. Like it, it, it just, they just worked it out yeah. and it works really good. I feel like this is the version that they should have originally put out. I feel like. Yeah, they should have just pushed the release date back to now. This should have been a 2022 video game. It should have just been a next-gen PS5, Xbox, S, X, whatever it's called, and PC. It shouldn't They should have, should have never even bothered with PS4 and fucking Xbox. The old, like, why? Like, it's, it, it just... It's just not, it's not for that generation of game. Like, why even bother? I feel like they must have made it originally for the next gen. And then they, like, must have tried to code it down to, or, like, I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know what they tried. Whatever they tried didn't work, though. And so, but I'm glad. I had faith that this game would be good because The Witcher 3 is such a fantastic game. And I put so many hours into that. And I do like when, you know, independent studios make games. So I wanted, you know, CD Projekt Red to do this. And so instead of, you know, getting the refund, like I'm sure a lot of people did, I 
held on to my copy at full price, even though I can now go buy the game for a fraction of the fucking price. But, you know, I feel like I helped. And, you know, I had faith that this game would be fucking sick. And now it is. And now anyone being like, oh, cyberpunk failure. It's like, get off Reddit, you fucking nerds. Like, Download the game and play it. Don't. Yeah. Don't. uh, uh, Yeah, it's. uh, Yeah. So many people hate it. So many people uh, just it's one of those things where it's become like a circle jerk of hating the game. Just try if you have a PS4 version, you have a PS5. It's free. Download the PS5 version. Leave the PS4 version on your computer. You can open the or on your system. You can open up the PS5 version and open up one of your ps4 save games you don't have to go into the ps4 one yeah you, you just don't have to transfer it it's just there if it's yeah. saved it's, it's there. saved uh and it's, then you which can is just, great which yeah. is because some other playstation games when transferring upgrading have made you go into the ps4 game transfer a save, and it's just like what am i doing like yeah. this is the same machine why am i acting like i'm fucking transferring it from a different machine and the, it makes yeah. no sense and then all you have to do is save it on the ps on the ps5 version of the game and then you can go delete all you delete the ps4 version from your hard drive delete the 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 saves from the ps4 version you have it on your ps5 version now Runs smooth as silk. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. You love to see it. You love to yeah. see it. Um, I mean, I was talking specifically, uh, like, if you're playing PS4 games on a PS5, and then when the PS5 version comes out, it doesn't make sense to go into the PS4 version and transfer it over. Like, if you're oh, switching no, console, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But for some I, reason, this was the first game to do it. And it's like, why did it take a year for fucking these people to figure this out? Yeah. No, I agree. It took, um, took Cyberpunk, apparently. Yeah. But yeah, Snow, it's we will definitely do an uh, an episode about Cyberpunk in the near future and we'll dig deep more into it as both Otis and I play it more and uh and and explore more uh of the Cyberpunk world and uh and yeah, and I'm sure in the spring in the next month or two we'll talk about it. Um the other thing that I just wanted to quickly say uh is um uh I I had a real nice encounter today. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, with a guy, a gentleman who was uh, uh, delivering his uh, delivering an order for my mom. Um, my 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 lovely mother is uh, is um, in the highest percentile of risk category for not just COVID, but for uh, a lot of other uh, the flu, you know, things like that can really mess 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 her up um so even before all this covid stuff happened you know had to be very careful uh and a man came today to deliver something and he was walking up to the house and i said hey going up to deliver stuff to my mom you went putting on a mask uh because uh you know she's immunocompromised and stuff and uh and the man launched into a, a, a tirade about how you know the masks are tyranny and how COVID is fake and COVID's just a flu and he doesn't live in communist Russia and he won't be controlled and how I was a sheep and all this stuff. Uh, and you know, ultimately I replied and said, Hey man, I don't really give a shit what you believe. Uh, I'm just asking for some common decency, um, because of 
you know, my, my mom's health uh, and, and, you know, just being, just put the mask on for two minutes. And he said, well, I don't have one and I don't have COVID and that I'm a coward or a sheep or whatever he called me. And I went off on him a little bit. So, you know, I'm not going to repeat what I said, but I had some choice words for him. Um, pretty much told him he was being a dick. Uh, and ultimately now that I've had the afternoon to think about it, you know, he did apologize, uh, and I, and then started talking about how Trudeau's a tyrant and all this stuff. And I shut the door in his face. My opinion uh, that I, the only thing that I want to say about all this stuff going on right now is, um, shut up. Why has everybody got so many opinions on all this stuff that you call oppression? You call your freedoms being taken away when it's nothing more than a minor inconvenience. Most of you people don't follow the rules anyways, never have. Sorry you didn't get to go to Applebee's for a couple days or you had to miss your mom's birthday or you had to do whatever. Most of you haven't really sacrificed anything out of this. I just wish everybody would shut up and go home. Hopefully we're going to be done with this soon. I know it sucks. It sucks for me. It sucks for everybody. But holy smokes. When did, when did mild inconvenience and slight discomfort turn into oppression and tyranny? If we lived in a tyrannical state, when those freedom convoy truckers pulled up to Ottawa and started honking all day and screaming at people, a real tyrannical oppressive state would have answered your shouts and honks with a fucking bullet to the head. We are blessed to live in Canada. We are all doing our best. Please shut up and go home. I'm sick of it. And, and if, if it's getting to the point where the random delivery guy is screaming at me because I asked him to put on a mask, go home and rethink your life, please go home and rethink mm -hmm. everything. Don't look on Twitter. Don't do look in your heart. If you can't find the, in your heart to be decent to somebody who's ill and do something like that, maybe you need to, to figure some stuff out. Thanks for coming to my Ted talk. Everybody shut the fuck up. <laughs> Yeah, and truckers are more likely to kill prostitutes than any other people on earth. It is a fact given that they're they have a traveling occupation that heavily deals alongside prostitutes and lower income problems yeah. and drugs. And, and essentially what I'm saying is truckers are meth heads. And if you are <laughs> following a convoy of truckers, you're probably on a bad road um in life and, and in general and so. you know what i'm tired of this too and i don't really care even if i don't agree with what your belief systems and choices are uh i don't really care i just can we just be a bit more compassionate can mm -hmm. we just maybe shh everybody at left right everybody shh, listen to the experts do what little things you have to do it's going to be summer soon Hopefully this is close to the end of it. Hopefully things go back to pretty well normal. And if that's the case, beautiful. And if it's not, we can't control viruses. We can't control things. We can just do our best to mitigate them. Sorry that you had to wear a mask while getting groceries and that makes your, your, your ego shrivel up or whatever. Life's hard. There are people who live in, there are, uh, people in Canada who live in places where they have to boil their water every day. There are people in the world who wake up every day and they're thanking God that an RPG didn't hit their house while they were sleeping. Like we really need to prioritize and think about stuff. And I just, to me, 
the fact that this guy went off on me for asking for a simple shred of decency just makes me shake my head, man. And if you're somebody who's listening to this and you're like, oh, I don't agree with the mandates. I don't agree with Trudeau. I don't agree with blah, blah, blah. Well, firstly, the mandates were done by Ford. So if you've got a problem with mandates, you've got a problem with the way that things are handled in this province, talk to Doug Ford, not Trudeau. Trudeau made weed legal and gave y'all a bunch of fucking money to sit on your ass in 2020. Thousands of dollars a month. So not really sure where that's coming from, but whatever. But just come on, a little bit of decency, a little bit of compassion. I'm out shoveling. I don't need to be yelled at by a random guy and called a tyrant and a communist and whatever because I asked you to do something nice. Rethink. Go home and look inside yourself, please. Be kind to one another. It's absolutely mind-blowing. On a totally different note, that's enough of being angry or, or speaking seriously on those things. Uh, on a totally different note, you said you wanted to quote unquote shit on malignant. Yeah, that movie sucks. That movie's so stupid. Now, in a previous episode, somewhere along the line, we were talking, I think it was during our uh, horror month, and I was talking, you know, how generally critics shit on horror movies a lot. And that's a thing. That's a fact. They shit on yeah, horror a, movies. That's a fact. Or it, it just isn't given the proper due as a genre. Which is which is fine, whatever. Um, so Malignant is the latest James Wan movie. You know, James Wan, he created Saw, created Insidious, and a bunch of other all gems of horror in the last 20 years. Also does fucking Fast and Furious Aquaman movies. Fantastic filmmaker, and I'm a fan. So given that, I was, you know people were giving kind of like mixed reviews of malignant and people were saying, Oh, this, you know, people, you know, people just don't get it. And then the other half is just like, no, this is just a bad movie. And then I was just kind of like, well, I got to see. And I finally got to see it. And I am of the camp that no, this is just a bad, bad, bad movie. And the defense of this movie is that, Oh, it, no, it's a it's a parody of itself. The thing is, is that this movie has no self-awareness whatsoever. It is not aware of how stupid it is at any point. In fact, it buys into how stupid it is. It has a great plot, to, plot twist for a horror movie. Here's the twist. Lady has a parasitic twin growing out of her head as a child, and then eventually scientists chop it up, and then... So there's still a bit of a parasite in her brain. As she's an adult, she gets hit in the back of the head and the parasite regrows. And so she has a split personality in which she becomes a super trained super killer and starts killing all the doctors. Now, basically what the movie ends up looking like is she gets hit in the head and turns into an autistic boy that wants to be cosplaying as an Assassin's Creed character. That's what it is. Because not only is he running around in a black hood, he is also using a fucking trophy fashioned into some sort of fucking wrist switchblade. Like, it's literally, I feel like James Wan watched, played Assassin's Creed and was like, man, this is going to be such a sick movie. And it's not. It's not fucking <laughs> sick at all. It's not. There's, there's like called funny banter between police officers that is just awfully written 
the acting is fucking terrible. It's like the one cool thing is that the practical effects in it are cool. The monster looks cool. The there's this like weird thing where she like switches positions because she's like she's both people at once. She's herself and this killing monster parasite thingy at the same time. So she'll like be in two places at once. And the way they like have like the, the walls melt into the other, it's really cool. But the story is so bad and it's so shittily written that now like I now understand the argument and to the people that are saying that of like horror movie, it's not. It is not. It is just a bad, bad movie. Has good ideas in it, kind of. Has good things about it. But overall, it is just real real bad the plot the like the twist takes way too long to get to and then what what should have happened shouldn't have been like a thing it should have been like i don't know I, i'm not gonna it's a bad fucking movie dude <laughs> hey i'm gonna keep it real with you i, di- I didn't have any interest in watching it uh, i mean i saw the the uh, poster on Crave, and I was like, oh. Yeah. But for um, some reason, that just something about it rubbed me the wrong way. I I, I just was like, yeah, no, nah, no, nah, I'm good. I like, like, I like everything behind it. I was like, I like James Wan. I like it's an original horror movie, and, you know, we'll whatever. But everything about it was just so dumb. And then seeing people like just grasp at thing like just grasp at straws to defend the movie it's like okay you can like the movie but like it's a bad movie like that's fine like that's cool okay like i love fucking nightmare on elm street three and four they fucking suck okay there's no reason for there to be a hair metal musical at the ending of a horror movie why is Doc in there singing Dream Warriors? It doesn't make sense. It's stupid. It sucks, but I love it. And like people just have to be able to distinguish that. Like if you like bad shit, just admit you like bad shit. Don't go defending bad shit as good yeah. cuz it's not. It's bad. No, like and also the other thing is that like if you <laughs> if you like something that is like mostly universally thought of as bad, and then you expect that you're going to, like, change people's minds. Yeah. And, like, like, you, like, vehemently argue for something. It's like, is that really the hill you want to die on? Like, mm-hmm. there are other movies or other things that that might it might make more sense to put your time and effort in. Or, or maybe just don't because opinion is subjective. So, like, just because a bunch of people don't like something or a bunch of critics said something was bad or whatever doesn't mean that you can't like it or you can't enjoy something for what it is. There are plenty of things that I like that you don't like. There are plenty of things that you like that I don't like, or maybe Mm -hmm. not don't like, but don't really have an opinion on or don't really care. You know what I mean? And we can talk about what we think is good and what we think is bad. I'm telling you, it's a bad movie, but I'm also telling you the practical and special effects in it are also really good. And some of the better effects in horror movies, the effects in this movie are probably better 95% 95% of all horror movies. 
So that's well, a positive. Like, you know what? I'm just I'm just looking at it rationally. Like Look, some people. The way you explain it to me, I don't really feel uh, enthused about it. Uh, I I don't. Yeah, I know. I I, I, I was it, wasn't gonna watch it anyway. So you know what? No harm, no foul. But uh, sounds like a yeah. sounds like a. Uh, I mean, it sounds like an interesting concept. I guess. I mean, I hate the whole. Actually, no, I'm a lie. That whole like. Oh, he had a parasitic twin, and then the twin took over their body, and blah blah blah. It doesn't really seem that. Yeah, um, that no, that's not really my my. I don't know. That doesn't really yeah. do it for me. Um, I, I mean, do, it's, wait, I do to me. S- I watched the movie, and I was like, this idea to me feels so much better as a video game. Like if I was like, if it was like a crime game where you're committing crimes like as a monster, and then the other half of the game is like a mystery game of you trying to figure out the crimes you committed as the human i was like that's a cool concept of a game that's definitely happened like four times at um, least yeah or like a cronenberg movie yeah <laughs> i would that something like hard. that uh, yeah it kind of go- it tries to go for cronenberg and but it misses like very much misses the mark now that well, you say it i feel like that's probably that was probably i think the inspiration well, there but you go. it's missing but it's also missing the timeliness because Cronenberg movies happened in the 80s. So like that cheese aspect of those horror movies makes sense because yeah. it's a product of a time. Whereas now, I think if that's what people if that's what the argument is, if that people saying they're just trying to go for that sort of 80s horror cheese that's subtle but kind of stupid and I don't know, maybe that's what it is, but I think it just missed. Yeah. Know. Uh, I do want to say, uh, uh, I do want to make a shout out to, I just finished, I know you're not done, so we won't talk about it, but I do. Oh, I just finished it this morning. Oh, you already finished Peacemaker? Yeah. Uh, I really loved it. Um, Mm -hmm. I thought it was uh, well-written, fun. Um, The pacing in the series was great. Uh, There were plenty of twists and turns, but nothing was super dramatic and over the top. Um, you know, there was just a perfect amount of characters and things going on. It was silly, uh, but it also had some, some sparkling or sprinklings of, of kind of real world themes and stuff going on. I love the fact that they didn't make a big deal about having, uh, characters from all different type walks of life coming together. You know, you have Adebayo's lesbian uh, women of color, you have all the, you know, you have all these things that are, that are clashing with other character peacemakers, worldviews and changing him and stuff like that. But it was never heavy handed. It was never overly over the top. There's just enough good. And then there's also tons of crazy fucking violence and stuff. It was just really well done. Congratulations to James Gunn. Uh, I think that John Cena, uh, kills it as peacemaker, um and uh the guy who plays vigilante is fucking hilarious yeah um uh john economos uh all of all of them all of them do a fantastic job uh and i just really enjoyed watching it and the cameos at the end were really funny yeah uh (laughs) my only gripe with this series is this is just my personal preference just because i hate 80s metal his, oh, yeah. uh, the whole series is built around his love of 80s metal. So if you're not a big f- fan of 80s metal, bear with it. Yeah, be it's warned. 
Uh, yeah, no, it was really good. Uh, it was a really cool story. The butterflies, uh, and you know, this, the finale was full of, uh, laughs and it's really funny too. That's the other thing is that it's a, and it's, it's a superhero show, but it's really not cause nobody has any powers. Uh, it's just like, it, it's just so weird. It's its own thing. I really enjoyed it. You know, uh, seeing John Cena and the Eagle embrace, uh, will give, will, uh, make you believe. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah it's just, it's just fun. It was just a really good watch. I just really enjoyed it. Um, you also said you wanted to talk about licorice pizza, which you saw. I mean, we're get coming up on two hours. So if you want to, yeah, I mean, I can just talk about this next week. Uh, cause yeah, no, I've gone back to movie theater now a couple times and saw a couple good movies. So I think I'll just talk about that next week it, just because we're running out of time. Anyway, All right. We're, so. Um, it's so fine. that's it's not a big deal. That's pretty much it. Uh, we'll talk about licorice pizza next week. Uh, uh and we'll talk about the born supremacy next week. Um, and, uh, yeah, just be good to one another and show a bit of decency out there. Sorry. I got a little heavy back there, but it's been a rough couple weeks, uh, and that was just the cherry on top. I wish that guy nothing but the best. Uh, I appreciate his apology, even though I shut the door on him. Um, I, I was just not, I was pretty pissed off at the time. Um, but yeah, take a step back, calm yeah, down, sucks. watch your favorite, watch your favorite TV show, uh, watch, watch the born, uh, born identity. Uh, and maybe, you know, take, take a break from being angry all the time and shouting all the time. And, uh, and, and, you know, eventually we're going to get through all this and soon, hopefully I can go back to the movie theater soon. We, you, you already know Jurassic world dominions coming in June and, uh, there's a bunch of other stuff that I want to see. So I'm hoping as the world gets warmer, things open up, we get back to normal. Uh, I got a couple things I want to plug first and foremost. Uh, last week I released the first single off of the upcoming anxiety weekend album on infinite repeat. The single is called these things happen. Um, I am kind of finally emerged from my cocoon and, uh, re- returned to the world as the, uh, beautiful, uh, pop butterfly that I am, uh, with, uh, with the single and with the songs of the album. Uh, if you listen to any of my old projects when I was making electronic pop, uh, and you liked any of it, you're really going to like this album. Um, I'm dropping another single uh, in March, uh, probably around the time that we finish this Born trilogy. Uh, but you can listen to these things happen on all streaming platforms. It's on Bandcamp, anxietyweekend.bandcamp.com. And it's on the SoundCloud, Cemetery Sound SoundCloud. Uh, really proud of the song. Really happy of the direction I'm going. And... Um, yeah, I just can't wait to show more people it. Everybody seems to like it who listens to it. It's my most played song on all streaming services. Uh, and yeah, just really stoked to continue to drop music. So go check that out if you like, uh, if you like kind of like happy, upbeat uh, bedroom pop music. And uh, do you have anything you want to plug? Is this- no, not really. Not really? Okay. Uh, well, as <laughs> usual, go follow... Uh, 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 go check out Corpus Christi, Dr. Meats. Uh, I put out a hip hop song as Palm Reader in uh, late December, early January um, called Pressure. You can stream that everywhere. And we'll be back next week with uh, The Born Supremacy and a little bit more uh, jabbering about stuff. 
Um, you can find me on Instagram at PLMRD or no, that's Twitter at Instagram. Uh, it's at P A L M R E A D R on uh, Twitter. It's at P L M R D R. Uh, where can they find you? Uh, Twitter, just Otis Morris, dude. And that's it. Yeah. Nice. Easy peasy. All right. No more Instagram. Yeah. Well, I'm just, I'm just seeing where with social media it's like what 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 do what what do i need really well what's what's important like twitter now at this point i really my algorithm is now basically just video games and people complaining about martin scorsese i'm like i'm cool with that i can deal with that so, all right yeah well uh that's uh so you know I won't take I won't take your your Instagram at out of the things yet in case you return but uh, I guess for now just find no me on I'm sure I'll, I'm sure I'll be back if something like comes I'm sure I'll put it back up there like it's just it's just unacted it's not deleted it's oh, just just for now deactive. all right yeah so yeah if you want to hit us up you want to talk about anything about what we talked about this episode you want to be on a future episode you want to talk to us about whatever. Uh, or you want to suggest stuff or whatever. Uh, thank you to everybody who's been listening. Uh, we've had a really good uptake of plays so far this year. In fact, uh, you know, we've already passed the halfway point of pretty much the whole amount of plays we got last year, and it's only February. So all you people who are out there listening to us, we really appreciate you, um, and we're looking forward to talking about all the Bourne shows or Bourne movies. and. Um, and then talking about some cool stuff going forward. Thanks for streaming. Thanks for listening. And uh, remember, always initiate the protocol. Peace. Bye.